Hello, and welcome to the Pinocchio Project. I'm Mitch Friedman, and in my experience as a husband, a father, a church planter, a pastor, and a university professor, I've discovered that everyday ideas on human flourishing have significant consequences. Our goal here at the Pinocchio Project is to examine these everyday ideas to see if they actually deliver on their promises. Hello and welcome to the Pinocchio Project. I'm Mitch Friedman, joined by Jeff Olson, broadcasting to you from beautiful, hot Lago Vista, Texas. And today we are in part two of a little mini-series here that continues our conversation on abortion. It's called Vocabulary Dictionaries and the Fog of Euphemism. And uh, in our last pod, we introduced the term euphemism, if you're not familiar with it. A euphemism is a mild or indirect word or expression substituted for one considered to be too harsh or blunt when referring to something unpleasant or embarrassing. In our last pod, we described a euphemism in the abortion movement as substituting the term reproductive health care, which is a mild or indirect word, to say the least, a mild or indirect expression that's substituted for the harsh or blunt reality of killing children in the womb. So a euphemism is used to soften the communication, to soften the blow, to soften the harshness of the reality of the term itself. And uh, we, we launched off last week talking about the Princess Bride uh, when Inigo says the Vizzini who keeps using the word inconceivable when watching the uh, figure in black Wesley now gaining on, on them as they have kidnapped Princess Buttercup and Wesley's coming to the rescue and as he gets closer and closer and overcomes obstacle after obstacle every time Vizzini sees he's overcome another obstacle, he says, inconceivable. And Inigo finally says to him, you'll keep using that phrase. I don't think that means what you think it means. You keep using that word. You better reconsider because your meaning is off. And so last week we talked about reproductive health care as a euphemism. You keep using that phrase, reproductive health care, but I don't think it means what you think it means. So I remember a euphemism from back in the day, uh, a mild or indirect expression I was in the oil and gas business uh, back in the in the early '80s, and uh, we had gone from boom to bust in in the in the oil business. And uh, I was working for a large corporate mega machine, and uh, we got word that they were going to fire a bunch of us because they could no longer uh, sell oil and make money uh, when it dipped below thirty dollars a barrel at that time. And so it had been below 30 for a while. Every, every operation as to uh, discovering and recovering oil uh, was grinding to a halt in that season. Uh, that's a typical bust cycle. And so we started hearing rumors coming down from the central office that a bunch of us were going to be fired. Uh, well, that is a harsh and blunt term for someone who has depending on you for their income. And so... When it was communicated to us, we were told we weren't going to be fired. We were going to be part of a streamlining process. Or we were going to be downsized. And that didn't mean I was to go on a diet and lose 10 pounds. Uh, I survived two of those uh, streamlinings. 
uh, two of those downsizings. Uh, but make no mistake, it was a firing. <laughs> so the fog of euphemism is designed to soften the blow of reality. And so last week we, we looked at the term that substituted for abortion, reproductive health care, and I think that we all agreed that uh, health care and abortion have nothing to do with each other. They're actually on polar opposite ends of the continuum when it comes to well-being, when it comes to flourishing. But today I want to, I want to look at another word that's often used as a euphemism uh, for my demand to be able to, to abort life in the womb, and that is a human right. Human right. You keep using that term, human right. I don't know if it means what you think it means. So what I want to do is I want to read, just like I did last time, a little uh, excerpt from a recent article, and uh, I want you to analyze it. Put on your thinking cap, put on your worldview lenses, put on your biblical worldview lenses, and let's look at this together. Now, as I read, I want you to examine this for negations, meaning what does it deny? What does it dismiss? What does it not bring into the conversation as necessary? Uh, the same with omissions. Uh, what is being left out? Uh, what sort of important data, what sort of important perspective is missing? And contradictions, because these are important uh, points of analysis when examining any statement of truth or any proposition for uh, legitimacy. Uh, we say a, a functional worldview, uh, it, is, it is coherent, it is consistent and non-contradictory, and it is ultimately livable and is the best example of what it means to flourish. So here we go. This is from a recent article just this month, May of 2022. And here's a truth claim right out of the box. Access to safe abortion services is a human right. Under international human rights law, everyone has a right. Everyone, hold on, everyone, let me pause. Jeff, I'm looking at you. Does everyone mean everyone? Does that include you? Does that include me? Our families? Image bearers we don't necessarily like? What about the preborn? Are they included in that banner? Are they living under that category? Not in this conversation. So here we have an immediate contradiction. Under international human rights law, everyone has a right to life, a right to health, a right to be free from violence, discrimination, and torture or cruel, inhuman, and degrading treatment. Now, I'm just going to pause. I'm getting carried away. I often do. But I want to now look in a dictionary and see if this is an appropriate definition of abortion. Abortion. Noun. The denial of a right to life. The denial of a right to health. The denial of a right to be free from violence. Discrimination. A denial of the right to be free from torture or cruelty. Abortion. Inhuman, degrading, violent treatment of the unborn. Would that be a legitimate definition? Human rights law clearly spells out, I'm continuing back in the article. You know what? I got off track. I'm just going to start reading again. Access to safe abortion services is a human right. Truth claim. Under international human rights law, everyone has a right to life, a right to health, and a right to be free from violence, discrimination, and torture, or cruel, inhuman, and degrading treatment. 
Any negations in there? Any omissions in there? Any contradictions? The article goes on. Human rights law, and we're getting at the gist of the issue here. Human rights law clearly spells out that decisions about your body are yours alone. This is what is known as bodily autonomy. Forcing someone to carry on an unwanted pregnancy or forcing them to seek out an unsafe abortion is a violation of their human rights, including the rights to privacy and bodily autonomy. Now, this privacy and bodily autonomy uh, closing is referenced right back to Roe v. Wade and the, uh, the 14th Amendment that was used as the Ill- illegitimate platform for claiming this, this right to privacy and bodily autonomy. So what do you think about that? You have your thinking cap on. You have your biblical worldview lenses on. Forcing someone to carry on an unwanted pregnancy or forcing them to seek out an unsafe unsafe abortion is a violation of human rights, including the rights to privacy and bodily autonomy. You know, when I was a kid, which was a long time ago, while the earth was still cooling, but I have many memories of things important in my my, uh, formation. One was uh, my mother talking to me after I got in a fight, and I pretty much initiated this fight, and I punched a kid in the face. Uh, I got in trouble for it at school. And when I came home, I knew because my mom told me I could argue the pain off a fence post. I knew I could talk my way out of any problem. And so she started querying me, investigating. She started questioning me about the incident. And I basically formed an argument that proved that I had every right. As a matter of fact, I was justified in smacking this kid. And my mom said something that I have never forgotten. She said, you know, Mitch, your right to swing your fist ends at the point of someone else's nose. Meaning I had no right to impose my rights on someone else as to damage them. So if bodily autonomy gives me the right to damage, nay, destroy another human life, then there's something wrong in understanding basic human rights in this conversation. But this is a euphemism that's used. My right to bodily autonomy does not include a right to destroy another human being. Let's do this. You say abortion is a human right and must be protected by law. That was the gist of that article. Let's look at a definition of a human right. Uh, particularly in a biblical worldview. In a biblical worldview, human rights exist pre-politically, meaning before there was the state to uh, legislate, monitor, and enforce what's good, true, and beautiful. In a biblical worldview, human rights exist pre-politically. That is, they are not granted by the state, but they are granted by the Creator. Also, in a biblical worldview, human rights are fully granted at the moment of conception. So personhood is answered at conception. And, you know, personhood is another euphemism used uh, to justify abortion and the worship of self and the sex god. Personhood. In a biblical worldview, personhood, full human rights, 
are granted at the moment of conception. So two points in this definition. Human rights exist pre-politically, meaning before the state can legislate, and they are universal. They are not granted by the state, but by the creator. Two texts here that are helpful. Uh, one from Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Jeremiah the prophet, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I, before, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And that word knew is the most intimate, connected, uh, it is the most integrated knowledge of a person. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as prophet to the nations. So let me just say to everybody listening here, this would be an encouragement about your uh, dignity, your uh, integrity, your value. Uh, let me say this to you. Before God formed you in the womb, he knew you. And before you were born, he has set you apart. So if you're a Christ follower, you were born and you were born again, set apart uh, with a mission to restore all things. But the key here is to understand that you are intentionally formed and designed uh, by your creator. And he had the idea of you before you were formed in the womb. He granted you full status as a dignified image bearer. That's Jeremiah 1, verses 4 and 5. From Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Divine needlepoint. That's not in the text. That's just something that bubbled up in me. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So there is no part of your life that is not covered by the dignity that God has woven into you, whether preborn, whether your life after the womb, and as you slip into the next season of your life, you need to understand that God, before one of your days came to be, knew what they were going to be, and they were written in his book. So these are biblical texts that inform our, our worldview concerning the understanding of human rights appropriate to the unborn. You say abortion is a human right and must be protected by law. We've said that in a biblical worldview, the answer to the question, what does it mean to be human, exists pre-politically. What does it mean to be human, the answer is given pre-politically in Genesis 1 and 2. Before any laws or any government, God has answered the question, what does it mean to be human in creating us and designing us with purpose in his own image? So the answer is created is provided not by the state, but by the creator. And in the biblical worldview, human rights are fully granted at the moment of conception. And those texts we just saw are evidence of that. However, abortion as a human right, 
is the ultimate denial of human rights, which is the right to live in the name of human rights. Abortion is the ultimate denial of human rights in the name of human rights. Now, these are things you should be prepared to communicate lovingly, winsomely in the course of relationship and opportunity. And abortion as a human right insists that the state protect my human right to deny human rights. So in, in, this, in, this, in this scenario, abortion is now something to be protected by the state, who is my salvation. Uh, in this, in this worldview, the answer to the, to the question, what can be done to fix what's wrong with the world, typically is answered with the government, the state. So abortion as a human right is the ultimate denial of human rights, which is the right to live. That's the ultimate denial. And all in the name of human rights. And abortion as human right insists that the state protect my human right to deny human rights. There's so much contradiction here. There's so much omission. There's so much negation. And it's plain to see. Our responsibility as believers is to be so thoroughly acquainted with the authenticity of our faith that we can, we can vet, we can view, we can examine, we can filter, we can parse, and then we can form a better idea, a better proposition in the name of granting every image bearer dignity. Remember, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But we wrestle against these spiritually empowered bad ideas that enslave image bearers. And in the case of abortion, has resulted in the blood of millions of innocents crying out for justice. So as I close this pod, I want to remind you that if you have uh, abortion read uh, in your ledger, if you will, if you have read in your ledger because of abortion, there's hope, there's forgiveness. Uh, but the best thing you can do is recognize your need and desperation to be forgiven. Now don't hide it. Let, let some fresh air and light into that dark place. Evil thrives in the darkness, but there's life in the light. And we'd be glad to assist you. Just drop us an email, and I can provide all kinds of resources in this direction. As we've said before, I have abortion read in my ledger, and I also have the blood of Jesus Christ that is healing me and moving me towards being shaped in his image. So it's a great time to be alive. Remember, clarity, confidence, and courage is our goal so that we can propose great gospel ideas in opposition to toxic ideas that deny flourishing and breed suffering. For The Pinocchio Project, Mitch Friedman, signing off. Thanks so much for being with us on the Pinocchio Project today. If this podcast has value for you, please subscribe or follow. Give us a five-star rating and share. If you have an everyday idea you'd like to submit for us to examine, simply email us at pinocchioprojectpod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at pinocchiopod, or you can hit the links in the show notes below. Thanks again for listening, and remember, your everyday ideas have significant consequences.